Hey, welcome back. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate your being here. Starting a few minutes late. We've got a lot going on, and we have conversations with uh, Dr. Gabriel Cousins, and Dr. Richard Sachs. I'm just a PhD doctor, not the medical doctor. That's Dr. Cousins, and we've got a lot to talk about. Um, long COVID. We'll get us started because a lot of people are sick with something that's being called that, and we're going to get into some other related topics, whatever we have time for in our remaining minutes here. So thanks for being with us, and let's go right to Dr. Gabriel Cousins. Welcome, Dr. Cousins. Thank you, Dr. Richard Sachs. (laughs) (laughs) So I just want to greet everybody with love and joy, and it's important to maintain that love and joy in this very disturbed world, okay, where they want you to feel depressed and disconnected from the truth of God and uh, of being alive, okay? So that's the first message. Um, what we do, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to start out, like we always do, with a little dance to get the spiritual joy going, and then a little bit of meditation, and we're going to cover two topics today. Uh, and... And as Richard said, we're going to talk a little bit about long COVID because people don't really know much about it. But it's important. It's important because we need to have, uh, besides knowing it about it, you happen to have it, but compassion for people with it. Because it's subtle. It's not so easy. So let's start with a little bit of dance. The first thing is we uh, after we dance and we meditate for a few minutes, and we use a, a mantra for the meditation. Yoda and then breath. Hand down breath. Wah and then breath. Hand down breath. Yoda from the base to the heart. Hey out to the heart. Wah from the base to the third eye. Hey out to the heart. So that is what we're doing. Okay? So now, that being said, after we dance, the you know, I'm gonna, there's a way of activating the what we call Kundalini energy, the Ruha Kadesh, and that is by look, by touch, and by sound. And by look, I'm going to focus, focus on the energy coming through my eyes, and also by sound. And that can help awaken the spiritual energy, which also is known as Kundalini. So, with that being said, let's go and dance.
I just focus my eyes
Meditation. And I'm going to talk about a topic that, uh, as you're coming out of meditation, okay, that isn't so clearly understood, but very important to understand, which is the mental and brain effects that we see in long COVID, okay. And long COVID has symptoms. These symptoms I'm going to mention can last up to two years. Now, I'm saying it because I see a lot of people who are kind of had COVID and they're, they have still have symptoms. Well, what are these symptoms? Brain fog and dementia. Insomnia. Anxiety. Depression. Psychosis. You know, mental symptoms as well as poorly functioning brain, epilepsy, Julian Barre, and neuromuscular disorders. And these things, and some people can last up to two years. And the point I'm making is that this is not psychosomatic. And, and, and it's real easy to diagnose these things as psychosomatic. It isn't. The mean age, there, there are lots of studies that have been done, okay? And it was kind of done by uh, Lancet Psychiatry, uh, seven different scientists from Cambridge and Oxford. And they studied people of different nations. So we're getting a, a broader spectrum. The U.S., Australia, U.K., Spain, Bulgaria, India, Malaysia, and Taiwan. So it's, it's a worldwide kind of look at this picture. And the study lasted two years and three months. So what are we talking about? There's 1.28 million uh, cases versus uh, 1.28 million controls. So this is a very, very serious study. And they found it is that, that the mean age of people who had this is about 42 and a half years old, but the symptoms were worse in people who were 65 and older. About 32 to 34% greater mortality. So there, this is a brain infection. This is what we're talking about. The, its effect on the brain, its effect on consciousness, and its effect on the physical brain as well. Uh, so usually the diagnosis is made for about six months, just to keep it in mind. And uh, there are really 14 neurological and psychiatric symptoms, and they all have high mortality. So if you're having these symptoms, there is a greater risk, okay? Uh, and even after two years, the risk of higher mortality was really there, and particularly, you know, in the group with dementia and uh, brain fog. So in other words, if you had COVID, but you didn't have any mental symptoms, you were going to have a less rate of mortality than if you had dementia and, uh, you know, the different mental symptoms. And that's uh, the, the key, okay? But um, after the, and above the age of 65, uh, dementia mortality was 71% higher than non-COVID brain fog. 
So these are pretty significant kind of mentions here. Delta, the Delta variant seems to have a highest risk for everybody. And there the reasons why, okay? And one is that they cause accelerated brain cell death, particularly of the stem cells. So the brain could not regenerate itself. And that's a pretty important thing, okay? And also attack the blood vessels and, and decrease oxygen to the brain. Then it had immune problems, you know, anti-immune thing, attack on the, the nerve sheaths and cause inflammation of the central nervous system and damage to the brain cell mitochondria, which are the energy factors of the brain. So these are real uh, kind of things. And also the coding, lipid cell metabolism that work. Now this sounds uh, kind of like technical, lipid cell. Well, the brain is about 60% fat, so that a major part of the brain is having its metabolism disrupted, okay? And in addition, people were losing brain volume. So people had COVID in the brain, uh, basically were losing 2% per year versus normal, such as 0.2% per year. But they, unless we do certain things, which I'm going to get into, there's a normal brain shrinkage, Okay. Um, the the good news is the brain can regenerate. And that, I think that's the important thing I wanted here to say because we're going to talk a little bit about it. Uh, it takes about three days to make new brain stem cells so it, it can regenerate. Now, what is the best thing for regeneration? Which is what my focus is for the moment. Aerobic exercises. Uh and, you know, walking and, and walking is actually enough. Meditation increases brain size, stimulates brain metabolism. And uh, walking, just walking six to nine miles per a week, uh, people had one half the amount of cognitive repair. So pretty simple. Walking, exercise. And meditation. Um, now, the thing with COVID is it can make the brain age uh, uh, by as much as two years pretty quickly and, and some drop in IQ. So people are really affected, okay? Um, in addition, 5G, uh, the, well, the spike protein itself activates aging. So we're talking lots of things. Again, meditation slows and reverses the brain aging process in general. And they found that people who meditated, have been meditating for 10 years, at least 30 uh, minutes a day, had significantly better brain function and, and less brain cell loss. Okay? Now, what they did know, this is another study, that after vaccination, people appeared older because they're already studying brain degeneration quickly. Um, but the people over 50 years old who were meditating did not seem to have uh, that kind of problem. Um, so, uh, no, the people 
greater than 65 who were meditating regularly had the same kind of uh, brain age as the younger people. Um, and, and that, of course, is, is the key because we're, the whole idea is how do you take care of it. And so I've given you some, besides nutrition, which is a whole other talk, exercise, aerobic exercise, meditation, okay, and walking on a regular basis are uh, have been proven to improve brain function and brain, literally regrow your brain, you know, pretty optimally. So we have some ways to go about this and, and um, people do have COVID or feel they're in the post-COVID syndrome. These are really simple things to do. They don't cost anything. And they're there that can, can really, it's, it's, it's a simple and profound breakthrough at the same time. So it's like a whole lifestyle orientation. Obviously, eating, um, not obviously, but a vegan, you know, 80% life of diet does help the brain function more too as well. So that's just a little bit of an opening. Before we go to another topic, Richard, is there anything you want to share with what I just shared? Yeah, I think you brought up something that was, I mean, many things that were incredibly important, Dr. Gabriel. And uh, one is exercise. It's free. It has no downside. It could be classified as real medicine, one part of real medicine, which is do no harm. You know, anything that is called medicine that actually hurts you is departing from what medicine is supposed to be. And exercise is one of those things that is 100% good if you know how to do it. And three different types of it that seem to be required in some form according to almost everybody who's looked into it. Uh, aerobic exercise, like you mentioned, walking being an example. And then resistance exercise, which helps bone density and a lot of other things too, and hormone balance. And stretching, you know, yoga or something like that. And interestingly enough, uh, meditation, as you said, has incredible benefits of all kinds. And it, it begs the question, what could you do to bring meditation into your default mentality of all day and all night instead of the worries that people carry around destroying themselves? And, I mean, we could go on, but, yeah, I thought your comments were great, very useful. Yeah, it's simple. It's simple. It's a way of life that actually grows your brain and helps protect you against these negative effects, potentially negative effects of, of COVID. So it's like, whoa, this is easy. Okay. Now, um, the next kind of topic I want to go into is something that we were discussing last Sunday, which is the whole idea of unconditional love. But we made a point. Unconditional love with boundaries. That's the key to successful unconditional love because people need to know they're loved no matter what. But there are boundaries about what you agree to let them do. And that's important in relationship because you can have love in a relationship that's unconditional, but you also have to love the relationship. That's the part there the boundaries are. 
I may love you unconditionally, but if you kind of beat me up or do this or that, uh, that's not going to work so well. So we, in relationship, we, and, and we're talking not just a marital relationship. We're talking about uh, f- friendships in different ways, even business relationships. It's fun. These are fundamentals of all, all relationships. That uh, unconditional love is, is actually important, but also boundaries of it. And then even with sports, I, I know that when I was uh, captain of an undefeated Amherst College football team in 1964, part of it is people really felt loved. And the team responded. People think, oh, they're just football players. No. People respond to people loving each other and caring about each other. And that's what makes an, I'm going to say, an undefeated team. It makes for an undefeated relationship in a variety of ways. So this kind of uh, way of thinking, yeah, there are boundaries, but it's still unconditional, is key to kind of optimal, healthy relationships. Uh, Dr. Sachs, do you want to add something? Sir, I, I couldn't hear that last part, Dr. Gabriel. I just said that, that uh, love is key to... Uh, unconditional love with boundaries is key to any level of healthy relationship. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And one really important component is you can't, in my experience and what I've observed, you can't love anybody else without having that complimentary attitude toward yourself. If you're carrying around self-condemnation and thinking that you can simultaneously love other people, doesn't seem to work. So work, work in and on yourself is always critical for being able to help your relationships. Yes. Um, and one thing about healthy relationships with unconditional love, it does help people who feel loved to love themselves more. Right, exactly. And also, who do you see yourself as? You know, if you see yourself as a combination of your outside characteristics and what you're good at and things like that, instead of who you actually are, which is spirit, unlimited spirit, connected to God, if you can get closer to seeing yourself as that, it's automatic to see it in other people. Totally transforms relationships. Yeah, and transforms your life. Yeah. Um, we are not uh, alone in this world. Relationships are integral to life. And uh, it's not that we need to be dependent on relationships, but the, you know we have that love of God within us, but relationships enhance that. And in the play of interaction, they improve kind of, they help us grow. In fact, relationships are a very, very... Uh, powerful spiritual path and that is worth considering sounds like a segue into your other connected topic to me no that was the other connected is unconditional love you know right Um, but you know I think one thing to clarify too is that unconditional love is not conditional that's not the kind of boundaries it has. 
the love remains, but the actions have boundaries. And, and the actions of others that are acceptable have boundaries. So you can have a complete love for humanity and see spirit in everybody and see the person that's connected to God and an immortal being that is basically divine, as you've said before, and still defend yourself. You know, if you're being carjacked and somebody's trying to break into your car and kill you, you may have to use whatever self-defense is at your disposal, including lethal force. And that's why I think, you know, it's really critical to maintain rights to self-defense, firearms and things that, like people talk about connected to the Second Amendment. That's not a contradiction to unconditional love. Because you're saying this is just a play and you have to play your part the best you can in connection to keeping true to yourself and true to God. But your actions are, are situationally based. The unconditional love is not. Um, it, I remember it really plays out even in sports. I'm kind of going back to sports. Yeah. Uh, at the end of our season, we were undefeated. We were playing an undefeated team last game of the season. And uh, I was middle linebacker and guard, but I... I tackled their star uh, halfback of the other team. As he, as the way, I, I hit him pretty hard, and he, he didn't seem to be getting up. So I reached down and took his hand and pulled him up and patted him on the back and, hey, get back your huddle. Right. Now, how's that going on? They're supposed to be the bad guys, right? But isn't the way it is. The unconditional love, because we're both athletes competing, it's just a game. It's like, fine. You know, it was like this heart connection happened. I didn't I didn't really know who he was. I mean, I, from the scouting report, I knew his name and who he was. But it was like, hey, we're here. We're on the field. We're just playing. And the game is to hit you hard. But also I need to pick you up so I can hit you hard again. Okay, so that's kind of the unconditional love part of it. It's a clue to what unconditional love could really do. And it reminds me of, uh, what was the year, 1941, or maybe after, that they had the Christmas truce in Germany with the attacking Allied forces and the German forces aligned in trenches against each other. I think it was World War One. World War One. 1918 or 19. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was mixing up the two world wars. And the point was they were in trenches against each other, and everybody in the trenches was getting killed, of course, you know, by artillery and other means. And then they'd be replaced with new people, and they'd get killed, and just kept going on and on and on, which has been going on for thousands of years. And then one Christmas Eve, uh, I'm not sure which side it was that decided to do something different. I think it was the Allied side, but I'm not sure. I think it was. Yeah. And they said, it's Christmas Eve. Why don't we try an experiment not killing each other for one night? And they actually came out and exchanged presents and started singing. And it was an example of the old saying, what if they gave a war and nobody came? What if it was more than one night? And people like Chris Guy and others are recommending a 
you know, solution to the current global problem of world tyranny and intended extermination. And, and very similar to that, mass peaceful non-compliance, unconditional love. And the rulers would just be there saying, what's going on? It's so frustrating. We can't get anybody to kill themselves or each other. And it has that much power. And it's available anytime. And it's like your exercise solution. It's free. You can do it whenever you want. So we have this incredible human potential to touch the heart of each of the other person, to touch the heart of each other, and to know our oneness. And when that happens, all these divisions go away. And we are in this unconditional love, and it it really works. There's all kinds of different uh, situations. We've just named a few. Um, so that's an important thing. Another important thing is relationships, as they say, are a spiritual path. Now, how are they a spiritual path? When you unconditionally love somebody, you are uh, you can trust them. Okay, so relationships require trust as well as going into the risk of intimacy. And that dynamic, you know, surrounded by unconditional love, is key for spiritual evolution because you can create the space for the other person to be truly who they are in an unconditional love moment or situation. They can truly be themselves and in that way grow. They can also take feedback. And you can take feedback because you know that you're being loved and it's coming from that place of love. That's powerful. It's, it's a really important part. As a change agent through relationship for your personal evolution, so that's another way to understand this. But the bottom line is unconditional love with some levels of agreed boundaries. The question is, you know, creating in relationship a, a, a lot, enough of a contract to understand this is the way we're going to be, and that that context of unconditional love creates a growth space. And again, unconditional love with boundaries that allow the participants to, to really develop. That's what I'm saying there. Right. But you said there was a question. Well, the question that has to be asked is, are you willing to play? Oh, right, exactly. <laughs> because if you're having one set of rules, the other person has another set of rules, you can't really get it together. And that is very common in relationships. Yeah. Yeah, especially when they start out playing the same game and then they decide to go in different directions. Right. Well, they're never starting out playing the same game because their programs from their family of origin are different than your programs from your family of origin. And you haven't had that time to bring them together into a level of unity. Right. But no matter what the people in your relationships decide to do, you have to make the decision for yourself what game you're going to play, even before relationships. 
Right. And then you'll know where you should be. Okay. So that that's kind of the essence of that. What I was going to ask the question was, we're set up to take questions, I believe. That's true. It's just most people are still hearing this as an archive, but we're encouraging them to start listening in the lifetime. And there are some people who are doing that. So, yeah, you can ask a question. And if they listen later, they can also send in the uh, answer by email. So That's that's what I was going to be, yeah. yeah. And I can be reached at uh, info at treeoflife.nu, info, I-N-F-O, yeah, and treeoflife.mn.co, to find my website where I have all the different programs that we're doing throughout the week, as well as spiritual fasts and a variety of different programs that we offer. So just a few note on that, and Richard, maybe share what people can reach you. And yeah, you can reach me at richard at lostartsradio.com. And there's a contact form, like with uh, Dr. Gabriel, there's a contact form for me and for Doug and for our programs in general at uh, lostartsradio.com or richard at lostartsradio.com works and technical questions to Doug at lostartsradio.com is also good Doug at D-O-U-G D-O-U-G, yeah Okay So we're just kind of combining a few things and we're going to continue to do these different kind of topics that we bring up and if people want, we can uh, tell you what the tops are going to be a week in advance. It takes a little bit more effort on our part, but if I get some feedback that way, we'll, we'll do that. What's the question that you want people to respond to at this point? Well, the question is, Are there? would you like me to list the topic a few days in advance before uh, Monday night? That's the question. Right. Interaction, and so that we address the things that are most relevant to the audience. Right. And that's the second question is just that. What is really relevant? What do you want to hear about? I, I do the COVID review as it's appropriate. Like, this is a pretty important one to know about post-COVID. It's more than a little important for your own compassion for other people and also for yourself. Right. And in your COVID comments about long COVID, one thing that I think you did, which which was great, is focus the diagnosis on the symptoms because it's much more important to go by the symptoms than the name of a disease. You know, it really doesn't matter what it's called. It doesn't really matter um, what it's part of. It matters what it, what's happening and what's causing it and how to reverse it. And I thought, right. I thought you did a great job on that. Calling it a virus is highly questionable. And some great doctors, Cowan and Kaufman and great uh, investigative journalists like John Rappaport and others have brought up the fact that there is no proof at all any of these viruses are what's causing disease. And there's no good refutation of that that I've found. And I've had uh, some great virologists 
on to interview, and they've been completely unable to refute what Callan and Kaufman and others are saying. Yeah, I agree with it. It just, I almost see it as a convenience to call it, uh, you know, a virus. We could be in medieval times and call it something else, you know, make up whatever name. But people use that as a kind of a, a way of trying to speak to it, but there's no proof that viruses exist in what we're saying are infective agents. Right, and I think that's hard for most people within the system to grasp because it, it calls into question so many things that they've memorized as unquestionably true. Right. It's emotionally hard to look at. And the fact that PCR tests are about 90, 95% inaccurate, and we're never designed to test for COVID anyway. No, they're, they're, they're great except for the problem that they're not a test. They're basically a high-tech magnifying glass for the laboratory. But, um, you know, that, that's a side issue. The people are sick with short and long versions of COVID, and all kinds of things are coming up in that. They're differentiating between the COVID BV and AV, which means before vaccine and after vaccine. And those are different, somewhat different and somewhat similar conditions, right? And there's also the finding that um, all the people who have been diagnosed with that have certain peptides of synthetic venoms in their system, which Dr. Artis has talked about at great length. Right. Very interesting stuff. As well as the nanotech and all that has been found. Nanotech has been found even in bodies of people who have died after the vaccine, and they're still transmitting signals. So there's there's a lot of interesting stuff going on there. But what it all always comes down to is how do you fix it? And that's what you were addressing. Right. And how do you prevent it? So if you go yeah. to my website, treeoflife.mn.co, I have two-page discussion with all the, the nutrients and way of life that helps protect you against getting COVID. Treeoflife.mn.co, yeah. Okay, so I want to bless everybody uh, and thank you for listening to us and let us share our knowledge and wisdom with you. And may you be blessed that you take this and share it with people around you. And most important, share your heartfelt love with those around you. So peace will be with you. I hope. Amen. And thank you, Richard, Dr. Richard and Doug, for running this show. Thank you, Dr. Gabriel. That was great. And uh, just comes down to putting it into practice now. And uh, that's on an individual level, but also on a world level. There's a really urgent need for the actions of the world to change and to put into practice what was on the bumper sticker, you know, a long time ago. What if they gave a war and nobody came? It's it's what Chris Skye and David Icke and others who are leaders in the peaceful non-compliance movement are saying. Just, you know, I think the way Chris puts it is just say no. You know, you don't have to get into a big war and you're not trying to attack and damage people who disagree with you or anything. It's just if you receive direction from a so-called authority who tells you to do something that is basically 
self-damaging or suicidal or damaging to other people or both, um, then you just say no. And where does that come from? Because to be effective, that needs to be on a big scale. You know, if one person says, they're finding this in China, for example, right now with the mass protests that are going on. And in China, to do a protest, you have to be willing to die even more than other places because it's completely unacceptable. And the police will take you off and kill you or harvest your organs or things like that. And yet people are doing it right now. The consciousness is beginning to overcome the fear of authority. And they're just saying, no, we're not going to do this anymore. This COVID stuff is ridiculous. They are still getting welded into buildings in China. And as Klaus Schwab of the WEF says, that's the model for the whole world. He said that's a very attractive model for how to run a country. And he's on video saying all kinds of stuff like that. And even with that, and with the building of these modern-day huge concentration camps for dissidents that's going on all over the world right now, If people say no, the whole scenario changes and the the same outcome gets reversed. So the people who have to just say no is the general population, us regular people who are just running around trying to figure out and do a good job with what's going on, but also the people within the system. If teachers in schools are taught to teach CRT and that you're the wrong gender and should mutilate your body immediately if you're a nine-year-old, you know, and you're told to do that. If you have, you know, what what is it that allows you to just say, no, I'm not going to teach that. I don't care what the school district has said. I'll quit, start a home school or, you know, some alternative set up like that. But I can't go along with this. I can't be responsible for one child being misled and physically you know, mutilated. I'm not going to do that. And if that happens in mass, the schools stop being a weapon against us. And what if the police have the same idea and they say, no, I'm not going to beat up people for coming out of their house during an illegal quarantine. You know, because people have fundamental rights. This is an important subject that even, even if the pandemic were 100% real, with a 99% kill rate. Your rights come from God. They can't ever be taken away. It doesn't matter what the uh, real death rate is from the so-called pandemic. The government can make recommendations that you give up your right and hide in your basement until you die, but they can't force you because you have certain inalienable rights, which is why it's so important what happens to America because... They wrote it down. The founders of America wrote some of those things down as the basis for founding the country. Rights coming from God. And that applies to people, not just Americans, but anybody anywhere in the world. Your rights can't be taken away. So what causes the mass peaceful noncompliance in conditions that are very threatening like that? The police saying, no, I won't beat up people immorally, which they're doing now some of them are doing. The military says, no, I won't go into a country and start killing everybody because of a corrupt government's dictates. Um, I won't use the money illegally like they're doing in America right now, funding a Russian civil war that was largely precipitated by actions of the West 
setting up biological labs and overthrowing governments we have no business interfering with. You know, what what would cause the people who are in that power structure to say, I can't do this anymore. I should never have done it, but now I realize I can't do it. It requires a change in consciousness, not just an analytical change, but in how you see yourself, what consciousness really is. And that has to happen soon in order to deflect the agendas that are working against us right now. So that's what Planetary Healing Club is about. And if you're interested in that, you can work with us. We're, we're working on the fundamental mechanics of how do you change that consciousness in yourself. And if you change it in yourself, what effect does it have on other people around the world, far from you, that you never talk to? Could it even have an effect without, before you even join a protest or do a march or petition to the government or something, just changing your own consciousness? Is it a fairy tale that that affects other people? And there's a lot of evidence that it's not. Dr. Cousins brought up the effect of meditation focused on peace in certain cities, and it affected the crime rate. If you really digest what that means, the criminals who were about to carry out murders and rapes and carjackings and all kinds of stuff, and they some of them decided not to because of the meditation. It's clearly correlated. Those people did not talk to the criminals. They didn't say, look, we're going to do a meditation, and over these days, would you please not do your murder, wait till next week or something. They didn't do that. It affected them without physical connection. That's really hard for people to grasp the massive implication. So that was a change in consciousness that was temporary and partial through meditation. What if that became permanent and total? What would it do to the world? What would that change in the physical numbers of people who stopped complying with suicidal orders? What if people in government couldn't comply anymore and carry out the orders of their bosses? This would be incredible, and we'd see the world transformed. So we're working in that, on that particular project in Planetary Healing Club, and you're welcome to join us if you want to. It's planetaryhealingclub.com. Otherwise, my suggestion is look at what Dr. Gabriel brought up today and how can you make unconditional love a reality rather than just a theory that is attractive but far from what we're doing. What if we became that? How could you change in your day-to-day life? And it starts with your thoughts and your emotions that you're carrying around. So my suggestion is, and I'm working on the same thing myself because otherwise it's just a bunch of talk. I have to actually do it if I presume to share any of this stuff. So let's use the week before we see Dr. Gabriel again to become aware of thoughts and emotions you're carrying around toward yourself and toward everybody you're relating to. And are you blessing them or cursing them with your thoughts? Become conscious of it and then decide what you want to keep. And let's see what we can do. And I'll meet you here next week and we'll talk about it. Okay, have a good week and thanks for spending your time with us. We really appreciate it. Very valuable. Thank you. Blessings to you from both of us.